SBS acknowledges the traditional custodians of country and their connections and continuous care for the skies, lands and waterways across Australia. Hi there. G'day, and welcome to this episode of The Settlement Guide, a series where we help you navigate life in Australia. Whether you arrived today, have been living here for years, whether you were born in Australia or you're planning to move here shortly, this series is for you. My name is Claudiana Blanco, and I came to live in Sydney more than a decade ago, and I'm still learning about life down under every day. Today we will explore what happens when you report non-consensual sex or rape to the police in Australia. Sexual violence is a criminal offense. If you have been forced, threatened, coerced, or tricked into a sex act against your will, you may wish to report it to the police for the perpetrator to face charges. However, this process may be legally and emotionally taxing. Here's what to expect. We have four goals. First is to protect the victim and support them. Then we are bound to thoroughly investigate all reports that come to us. And as part of that, we gather evidence and find out if a crime has been committed, and then we identify and catch the offenders and take them before the court. But before we start, a content warning. We will be discussing aspects of sexual violence that may be distressing for some listeners. Let's get started. 85 sexual assaults are reported every day in Australia on average. Studies suggest more than one in three young people have experienced unwanted sex in their life. If you are a victim survivor of rape, or non-consensual penetrative sex, you may be considering reporting your experience to authorities and see the perpetrator face the justice system. But often this decision comes with immense emotional turmoil. Some reports come via the uniform members and some come directly to our office. We encounter a person who's experiencing trauma, so their level of vulnerability is extremely high. That is Senior Sergeant Monique Kelly from Victoria Police. She leads a specialist team that investigates alleged sexual offenses. Part of their main responsibilities is to assist victim survivors, known as complainants, as they draft their statement and provide evidence. We have four goals. First is to protect the victim and support them. Then we are bound to thoroughly investigate all reports that come to us. And as part of that, we gather evidence and find out if a crime has been committed. And then we identify and catch the offenders and take them before the court. Victim survivors are also encouraged to take a trusted support person with them to the police station. This is because the process of gathering evidence and drafting the police statement may be re-traumatizing. I remind my detectives all the time that whenever they speak to a complainant, they need to take a moment to remember that coming to the police station may be the biggest and most stressful event the complainant had post the traumatic event of the attack. So we need to 
give that person our time and we need to listen to them and we need to be open to what they are saying to us. If the victim presents to authorities within a few hours after the attack, they will be offered medical assistance, legal and emotional counselling. They will be required to undergo a medical examination to gather forensic evidence. This is called a rape kit. Because victim survivors of rape are overwhelmingly women, they often ask to be seen by female doctors or officers, but this option is not always available. Then, the complainant will have to provide a detailed police statement. This may not occur on the same day. Lawyer Michael Bradley has years of experience working in high-profile cases involving sexual offenses. He advocates for law reform to better support victim survivors of sexual violence. It's a very difficult thing to make a report and an even more difficult thing to make a statement. But the system really needs the victim to get everything down on paper in one go. Otherwise, the prosecution case ultimately will be prejudiced if there are things added to it later or, or need to be corrected. So, so that sort of puts an immediate burden on the victim. Investigative journalist Jess Hill has explored how non-consensual sex cases are treated in the legal system as part of her three-part documentary series, Asking for It. She says it's important for victim survivors to ensure their statement is accurate. Historical attacks can also be reported, even if a long time has passed. There's no time limit. Obviously, the sooner you report, the better, because the earlier you do it, the more evidence there's likely to be. A written statement to police is the most important document that's going to be used in court. So you need to make sure that it is exactly right. I've heard of people feeling awkward that when they read back over their statement, they see mistakes and they haven't felt confident enough to correct them. You have to make sure that everything in that statement is exactly right and don't feel intimidated because you're in a police station. Once the victim survivor reports, the case is taken over by police for investigation. The complainant then becomes the key witness of their own case. If the police can gather enough evidence to prosecute the case, the brief is reviewed by the Director of Public Prosecutions, or DPP. If it passes the DPP threshold for proceedings, charges are laid, and police arrest the alleged offender. If they don't press charges, it doesn't mean that the sexual assault didn't happen. It just means that they don't think that they'll be able to stand it up in court. So after this, they will then arrest and charge the alleged offender. Now, that alleged offender may be released on bail or they may be released without bail. They may be held in custody until trial, but they won't necessarily be taken off the street at the point of arrest. Once the case goes to court, victim survivors and other witnesses, if any, must take the stand. They're cross-examined by the defense and the prosecution. In contrast, the accused alleged defender, also known as the defendant, has the right to remain silent. The defendant can plead not guilty or only plead guilty to minor sexual offenses. Lawyer Michael Bradley says these features of the legal system make many victims feel alienated, as though they are the ones on trial. One of the things that's peculiar about rape 
is that in the vast majority of cases, the only evidence is the testimony of the victim. All of the burden is on the prosecution, which has to prove the whole case beyond reasonable doubt, which is a very high burden, and that the sexual act happened without consent, and that if there wasn't consent but the accused believed there was consent, then that belief wasn't reasonable. He adds that because most alleged sex offenders maintain their right to silence and are exempt from giving evidence, the trial falls on the victim's testimony, which is put into question. It becomes a contest about whether the victim is being truthful. So the jury will only ever hear the complainant's or the victim's story, and that is the only evidence that the Crown has to prove its case. For the defence to raise reasonable doubt, the pathway to that is to raise doubt about the credibility of the victim's testimony. So they will be called a liar. It is estimated around 90% of victim survivors do not report their rape to the police. Studies show one in five Australian thinks women often make up or exaggerate claims of abuse or rape. This is the highest of any Western nation. However, Senior Sergeant Kelly says she rarely encounters victims she suspects of lying. From being a subject matter expert and having spent almost a decade in this field, I could say to you that nobody wants to go through this process. So nobody wants to expose themselves to being examined the way that the legal system examines them. So to make up something would be very, very, very unusual. If the defendant is found guilty of any of the charges, the next step is sentencing. Jess Hill again. Sentencing options can range from no conviction recorded to community service. They might even just get a fine to a prison term, which can also be disheartening for victim survivors sometimes if they feel like the sentence does not match what they were subjected to. And at sentencing, you can deliver usually a victim impact statement, which is a very important moment for a lot of victim survivors where they're able to say how that offence impacted them to the court and particularly to the person who offended against them. In recent years, some Australian jurisdictions have been changing their laws to mandate defendants of sexual offences to prove in court they obtained affirmative consent before engaging in sexual activity. Some jurisdictions are also introducing novel sexual assault reporting options for those who want to lodge their experience formally without going to the criminal justice system. There are reporting systems like SARO, S-A-R-O in New South Wales, where you can report a sexual assault that could have happened any time in your life and you don't need to go through with the entire charging process all the way through to court, but it puts it on the record. Michael Bradley believes this is a useful option for victims who are concerned about protecting other potential victims. Very often the thing that is driving survivors is their concern about others because there's no such thing as a single incident rapist. The beauty of a reporting system like that is if if there are other reports already in the system or subsequently are made in the system, then that can trigger the police to go back to the victims and say, hey, turns out, yes, this guy's a serial offender, at least, you know, allegedly, do you want to pursue it? 
whether you decide to report to the police or not, there are a range of support services you can access. If you or someone you know is impacted by sexual violence, call 1-800-RESPECT. You can also contact Lifeline on 13-11-14 or Beyond Blue on 1-800-22-4636. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Settlement Guide, written and produced by me, Claudiana Blanco. The Settlement Guide Managing Editor is Rosa Germian. Until next time. <music>